Sunday, February the 6th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. We are in a season of chaos. And we all respond differently, don't we, to seasons of, uh, of chaos. You'll be pleased to know that this is not finished yet. This is not how we're ending up. This is a work in uh, progress. And what we'd love to do as a family is to embrace the disruption. To believe that the disruption could be good and positive uh, for us. And so over these next weeks, as there is physical disruption in and around the building, and things aren't as organized and as planned and as all together as we might have become accustomed to, to use that as an opportunity, which every disruption gives us, to learn, to grow, to change. That's what disruption invites of us. We can cower away. It's like when COVID came and we were longing to get back to normal as fast as possible. And then someone said, do we really want to get back to normal? As if the life we left behind was everything that it could be. And it created space for people to think about what could be. Actually, I'd like to walk more. And I don't want to spend three hours a day commuting. I do want to do X, Y, and Z. I do want to embrace more time for relationships and so on. So out of the disruption came something good and creative. So it, it will take us a bit of time to get ourselves organized. And we're not in a mad hurry in the sense that the sooner we get it fixed, the better. We're going to move at a good pace, I hope, and uh, all sorts of challenges along the way. Mark's been off with COVID all week. Uh, he's doing fine, but he's obviously not allowed in the building. So all, all sorts of slowing up and disruptions like that. We will move at pace, but nevertheless, I'd love to encourage you to embrace the disruption because it gives us as a family an opportunity to grow. You have already done things this morning that perhaps you wouldn't normally do just because of the way the room was laid out. That's an opportunity for us to grow. Do I get an amen from anybody in the room? Thank you. There is, though, if you find the seasons of chaos uh, particularly uh, stress-inducing, there is the promise that a season of chaos needs to come to an end. Do I get an amen for that as well? So the particular acuteness of where we are right now is imagine for a moment that you have built an extension in your home or you've knocked down a wall or you've ripped out your kitchen. You've done something like that and you're in the period of it all getting put back together. You, most of us, will try different configurations for the space to see what works. We have what we think will work in our minds, and then we'll try some different things. I wonder what it's like if the sofa goes over there, and we put the telly on that wall. What would it be like if we moved the fireplace around? What would it be like if, 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 and if? Where are we going to put the cheese plant now? And whatever it is, and you're trying to work it all out. So you'll try some different things, and you might even say, do you know what, I'm not sure about that. Let's leave it like that for a few days. Oh, I really like that. Oh, no, I don't. And you'll move on. So you will try lots of things, and then you will settle down. 
The initial enthusiasm and flurry and stuff will, will wane and you will have a better idea of how your space works. So during this particular season, the next few weeks, we're going to move some things around. It's quite different this week than it was last week and it will probably be a bit different next week as well. But it's not always going to be like that. It's not, you're not going to be driving into the building thinking, what on earth have they done now this week? It'll settle down and we can all feel confident and comfortable. And we will know, just like Christmas, and you have to make room for the Christmas tree, you move things around a bit and you think, oh, do you know, I remember when we put the sofa over there when we were experimenting, that worked quite well. There will be seasons when we will move things around a little bit and make maximum use of uh, the space. So let's embrace the chaos, embrace the creativity that it offers us. It's an opportunity to stretch our grace muscles. You know, every new thing uh, makes us all a little bit more frustrated uh, because things are missing, things are not where they want them to be and all of that sort of stuff. So an opportunity for us to grow and stretch and learn some things about us as um, a family. So feasting, uh, feasting February. After the fasting comes uh, the feasting. And uh, what we're going to do for these next few weeks is rather than having a set menu which is what we usually have. So the set menu is kind of uh, worship, reading, word, communion or response, whatever it is. We're going to spend a little bit more time focusing in on one of those things rather than trying to journey through a set menu. So, for example, one week, if you wanted steak, you wouldn't go to the Waffle House. You might go, I don't know much about Mexican, so I'll go there today. We're going to dig in a little deeper into certain aspects. The word, prayer, worship, global witness, or even uh, local witness, and uh, what it means to be family and stuff together. So we're, we're going to deliberately lean in over these next few weeks to different things. And this morning, we're leaning in to the word, and that's why you're sitting like this. Because it will give us an opportunity to do something together that helps us just push in a little bit more than we ordinarily might when it comes to thinking about the way God speaks to us through his word. Let's uh, pray together, shall we? Father, we're on, a, we're on an adventure. And adventures have exciting moments when we set off. They have dispiriting moments when it doesn't go like we wanted it to. It has surprising moments when we see a great view and new possibilities are opened up. There are times on an adventure when we're exhausted and tired and we want to go back. And then there are times on the adventure when we can see the goal and a skip comes into our hearts, if not into our tired steps. Thank you that you are always taking us on an adventure. And thank you that in this adventure we are together that you've called us to journey through the adventure that you call us together. And we deeply appreciate uh, one another in this adventure. And we thank you for the people all around us today. We thank you for those who are with us, but not physically with us right now, for whatever reason, this morning. Thank you for this family and for all that it means to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you give someone a fish, you feed them for a day, if they like fish, presumably. If you teach them to fish, uh, then you feed them for a lifetime. A well-known uh, proverb, a well-known kind of metaphor on which we might hang lots of truth. The same, of course, is true from the way that we learn to feed ourselves from and in God's 
excuse me, uh, from and in God's uh, word. What we are tempted to do because it's easier is to come on a Sunday and to be fed. And hopefully because you've been fed on a Sunday, you get a little bit more fired up. Sometimes the excitement is hard to detect, but I'm going to believe that it's there as you go out. A little bit more fired up as you go out into the week and you're kind of up here. But you know, then it's Monday and then it's Tuesday and then it's Wednesday and Thursday. And woe betide anyone who meets you on Friday and Saturday because you're absolutely drained of all that happened on a Sunday. And you know that you can't have a massive feast on a Sunday and then not eat for the rest of uh, the week and stay well. What would it be if we could feed ourselves, ourselves, every day? What, what would it be if we didn't have this great moment of being fed a meal that we almost can't digest to being uh, uh, regularly feeding on God's word? That, that's the journey that we want all of us to be on because that's the discipleship journey that I, I learn to hear what God says and to do something about it. I learn in so many senses to feed my myself, to take responsibility myself for my own journey and my own walk with God. And and about uh, about 10 years ago now, we uh, introduced a tool called SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And it became, I think, a really helpful tool for us to learn to feed ourselves. And we started reading the Bible in this way. And some people, a decade or so later, are still reading the Bible in that way because it's so uh, helpful. Just as a kind of feel of the room, how many of you have used soap in the last month? About half a dozen, maybe a dozen of us. Super, thank you. That's really helpful. Okay. It's not the way to read the Bible, like there's only one way, but it's a way that's particularly dynamic and particularly helpful. And everything that we reference or think about today, you can find at forward slash soap on uh, the website. But we're going to share in soap together this morning. And I want us to recognize, to realize that actually we, as in no sort of professional and stuff, we can feed from God's word and learn to feed one another. And if we can learn to feed ourselves and one another, then that opens up the opportunity for an exponential sense of growth in our own Christian walk together. So we're going to get ready. You need a Bible. You need a Bible. So if you haven't got a Bible, but you've got a smartphone and a tablet, you can search Bible Gateway or look it up on version. And you'll need something to write on. If you actually want a physical Bible, there are some uh, pew Bibles here. There are a few pew Bibles out through the glass door. Please feel free, get up, move around, grab a Bible. Everyone really needs to look at a Bible. That will really help.
There's loads in Mark's office. Go and get some under his desk. Run. Okay. What I'd love you to do, if you've got a Bible, is find 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's about a third of the way through uh, the Bible. And uh, I should have said uh, earlier on, you can engage or disengage as much as you choose. So if you were sitting in some of the rows and you want to turn around and chat to people, that's perfectly fine. If you want to do this by yourself, uh, that's perfectly fine. It's designed to be done together, but there's no pressure. This is a safe, easy place to be family. And uh, uh, you can travel through this morning uh, however you choose without any sense of awkwardness at all. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, which of course is the verses that Simon read to us some moments uh, ago. Now, what I'm going to do is read through 2 Chronicles 20 again, and I'm just going to shoot off all kinds of thoughts and ideas, okay, hopefully lots of them, to give you an insight as to perhaps how I read the Bible. It's not that I read it the best way or the only way. It's just the way that I do it. So if you can get an idea of how I do it, at least it gives you a starting point. You might say, I've got a much better way of doing it than that. That's great. Or you might think that's helpful. What we're trying to do in a particular passage is to find out what the thought or idea is that God particularly wants to get our attention about. So... As always, every passage in the Bible is so rich, there are all kinds of thoughts and ideas and challenges and comforts that we might be able to get out of a particular passage. And of course, the temptation is, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've read this passage before and you think, I know what that says. I know, for example, that the story of Zacchaeus means that God loves little people more than everybody else. For example... And you don't listen to the rest of the story because you think you know what it says. And that's always the case that we can jump ahead and come to some conclusions. What we're trying to do is to find out, Bible says that God speaks to us every day. Bible says that God always has something to say. Find out what he might have to say to me today. And that's going to be different for uh, all of us. So as I read through 2 Chronicles chapter 20... I'm asking you to think about what verse grabs you. What grabs you? Now, if there are multiple verses that grab you, I'm going to ask you to choose one. So you concentrate on one thing. And, and you might say, well, this is all a bit random. Well, in a sense, it might be. But in another sense, we're, we're here together and we're saying, God, we want to hear what you have to say. And we're trusting that he will speak to us as we do uh, this. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Everybody sees the verses in front of them. That will help, I think. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Is there someone or something that's waging war against you right now? Is there someone or something that's waging war against you right now?
Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already at uh, Hazen Tamer, that is En Gedi. Do you know people like that who always seem to stir things up? Have you seen the army that's coming? And goodness, it's already here. We're in trouble, folks. Have you, do you know people that turn a situation, every situation, into a calamity? Do you sometimes do that? Do you catastrophize? Now, there's a thought. little chuckle around the room. Alarmed? What do you do when you're alarmed? Do you shout and scream? Do you kick the cat? Do you moan at your spouse, your kids, your parents, your neighbors? Do you get frustrated? Do you withdraw in yourself? Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Do you ask God first when you're alarmed and call a fast? Or do you do something different? The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. What an amazing verse. The whole people came together. What would it be like if God's people came together more often to seek the Lord? What would it have been like at the beginning of COVID if a whole nation had come together in prayer to seek the Lord instead of wondering what the government would do next to fix it? Indeed, they came in from every town in Judah to seek him. There's a place for everybody in what God is doing. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, now we haven't got time to go through all the verses that he said, but basically what Jehoshaphat did was to recall to mind all the promises he could possibly remember that God had given him. Has God given you some promises? Are there some verses that you know God has spoken to you about that you come back to time and time again? They're on your desk or on your fridge or inside your Bible or on a bookmark, wherever it might be. And it's a verse that's meant a lot to you since childhood, maybe, or or it came to you during a specific time in your life. And that verse matters. What are God's promises to you? And how often do you remember them? And do you use those promises in times of trouble? And so we're all the way down to... Uh, verse 13, but just look at verse 12 before you get there. The final thing, uh, when he recounts these promises, he says, Our God, will you not judge them? That's the, the, the vast army. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Have you come to a situation in your life, in this particular situation that you're thinking about, where you know in the end you don't have the power? Or are you still striving? If only I work a bit harder, if only I get a few more skills, if only I fight a bit more, if only I tell them one more time, then they'll get it. Are you still thinking that it's all in your control? If only you put in a bit more effort and a bit more energy. For we have no power, verse 12, to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. That's a scary place, isn't it? Because we think we can fix it. You're in a place right now when you don't know what to do, but... Our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones. Lovely that it's a family affair, isn't it? Sometimes in discipleship we go alone, but we're invited to go as a family, whatever that means for us in our context. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, blah, 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 blah. He stood up, verse 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. If God's word says do not be afraid, there is an expectation that you might be. Are you afraid this morning? 
If God's word says do not be discouraged, then there is the likely anticipation that God thinks from time to time that we will be discouraged. Do not, though, be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because of this vast army. Why? For the battle is not yours, but God's. Do you feel like you're in a battle and you're the one doing all the work? The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. So, tomorrow, march down against them, which seems odd if the battle isn't yours. They'll be climbing up the pass of Ziz, that well-known holiday destination. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. There'll be some people in this room today that need to know God say, you don't have to fight that one. That's good, isn't it? You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them. It's a really important posture, isn't it? I mean, think about it. They don't have to fight, but they have to face. Are we running? Are we hiding? Are we ducking? Are we diving? No, no. Stand and face. Stand and see what the Lord will do. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. When was the last time you bowed down with your face to the ground? I don't mean metaphorically. When was the last time you bowed down before the Lord with your face to the ground? And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship. We normally stand up in worship. These folks fell down in worship. What would that be like? Then some of the Levites and the Kohazites and the Korhites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Sometimes praising with a very loud voice is exactly what we need to do. Early in the morning, they left the desert of Dekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Uh, And then they appointed some singers to praise and to sing. So they have to stand, they have to see, and they have to sing. There's a sermon there, a freebie for anyone who wants to preach. Stand uh, and see and sing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moabite, the Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. As they began to sing, they began to see the Lord win the battle. There we go. Let's stop there. So, As I've extroverted a little bit about what might go on in my brain, you can begin to see, I hope, that we can all do that. We can all be just beginning to ask questions of the text as we read it. And we're very simply, don't overcomplicate it. I don't know whether God's speaking or whether this is a word in my head. I don't know whether this is because I had a bad pizza last night or didn't have any breakfast. What's the verse that grabs you? Honestly, God's big enough to help you through any verse that grabs you. You can't grab the wrong one. But if you're settling on one, then maybe he's at work uh, this morning. So what verse uh, grabs you? I want you on your piece of paper. You don't need to use a piece of paper. If you've got a journal, write it in your journal. If you use notes on your phone or your tablet, get a new note. Don't write at the absolute top. So leave room for a title. We'll come back in a minute. But write down the verse that grabs you right now 
Go do that. That's not a rhetorical preacher's question or request. That's a, if you want to engage with it with us this morning, then write that, write that down. The verse that grabs you. If you've got multiple verses, choose one. Don't procrastinate. God's big enough to cope with your indecision. Go for it. It's a great chapter if you want to choose a good biblical name. Plenty in there to choose from. Okay, now... As you're, as you're doing that, S for scripture, O for observation, just jot down just a couple of thoughts, a couple of phrases. It doesn't need to be a, a paragraph or an essay or a dissertation, but just your observations. What, why did that verse grab you? Why did, what, why, why did it grab you? What's that verse saying to those that first experienced it? Or what's that writer saying to those who would have first read it? Is it a warning? Is it a command? Is it some comfort? Is it a challenge? What strikes you about the verse that you have chosen? You can't get this wrong. No one's going to mark it. Okay, two minutes just to give you a time frame. Okay, two minutes time. We'll, we'll have the pens down type of examination command. Great, okay, so we've got, a, we've got a scripture, we've got something that we believe God's grabbing our attention about. We're beginning to just explore it a little bit by writing down what strikes us, our, our, obs, our observations. And in, in, a, in a moment, just as, as an aside comment, 
So one of the one of the things that I often hear that we might often say is, well, it's all right for you because you know quite a bit about the Bible. I don't know what I'm reading sometimes. It's really important that that might that might have some truth in it. But it's really important that we focus on what we do know rather than spend our devotional time before God with the things that we don't know. In every passage of Scripture, there is the possibility for us to hear God speak. That was the whole point of the Reformation, to put the Bible back into the hands of ordinary people. And we're in a tradition that champions that more than anything. So we can all hear God speak. So if there is a question that you don't understand, put that to one side. Plenty of opportunity to explore that, but that's not this moment. Okay? So, so if you're, you're distracted by something you don't get, pull yourself back into something that you do get. And, uh, and move forward from that. Okay, so scripture, observation, and then thirdly, application. Write down what you are going to do about it, what your response is. Now, your response will be different depending on what your verse and observation is. The response might be to receive the word of comfort. Your response might be to do something you felt challenged about. Your response might be to think differently this week. Now, you need to make the response as specific as possible. So, for example, you might have have read towards the end about the faith that they had and think, do you know what, I need more faith this week. That's not a great application because it's not specific enough. Try and be as specific as you can and think that if I, if God's telling me that I need faith, ask some questions about that. What do I need faith for or about? So your application would be much stronger if you were able to say, I need faith about dot, 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 and I'm going to raise my faith about it by doing a, B, C, X, Y, Z. Do you see what I mean? So try and be as physical as possible. If um, you, know, you, you read something and the call is to be more loving, that's not a great application because you'll just drift through the next week. I'm going to be more loving to that person and this is how I'm going to do it. You with me? So try and take what God's saying and, and root it into some specific application as best you can. I need to have more faith in God by or about. Uh, whatever it is, that vast army, I've been looking at that vast army and now I need to look at God's promises. What, what is it that, that comes out of this verse for you to do something about it? Remember, do isn't necessarily, uh, do can be an, a thought as much as an action. And then write a simple prayer as your response.
At this point, we've probably all got something to say or something to share. The whisper that you will hear in your minds is that you can't share that. People will think that's silly or stupid or daft or not important enough or not clever enough or not significant enough. I guarantee that what you share will be an encouragement to somebody else. That's just how it works in God's family. We see it all of the time. So what we'd love you to do, you're probably, some of you in, in tables and stuff, you're in groups too big for you to hear each other. What, I, what I'd love you to do is just in these next four minutes, that's all, four minutes, share with a couple of people around you what your prayer is or what your application is. It doesn't matter what you share, but share something about the scripture, the observation, the application, or the prayer just for three or four minutes. Uh, don't, hold, don't hold court. Share a little bit. Let someone else share. Uh, off you go. Remember that this is how we give life to one another. We speak words of life to one another as we share the scripture together.
Great. Okay. I would love you to raise your hand if you've heard something encouraging or helpful from somebody else. You've heard something encouraging or helpful from somebody else. Can you see how that works? You see what a massive encouragement we can be to one another. It, it, it unlocks God's word, not just for ourselves, but to others. I guarantee as well that what you thought will make more of an impact on you because you've now shared it than it would have if you just kept it inside your head. Let's be quiet, still as we can. Let's thank God that he speaks. And would you just pray for someone that you've heard from in these last moments or someone around you and just thank God that he speaks to them, to us through his word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your word is alive and speaks to us and challenges us, comforts us, changes us, that we might become more like you. We pray today that more of us will worship in the face of battle, that more of us will know what it is to trust you rather than to strive on our own strength. That more of us will, will speak peace and calm to one another rather than chaos and panic. That more of us will be committed to gathering together to seek the Lord with our wives and children, with our families, however that works out for us. In the name of Jesus, thank you that things will change in us and through us because of your word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Now, you left a bit of room at the top of your page. That's where, after you've done your devotion, you can write the title of it. And then if you're using a journal or uh, an iPad or a notes app in an Android, iOS or whatever it is, you can then have the front page, which is a contents page, title and the number of the note or whatever it is. So that over a week, a month, a year, a decade, you will have loads of things that God has said to you. And it's a real treasure to be able to flick back through those and to see what God has uh, done. And do one other thing, would you? In a few days' time, contact someone that you've been chatting to this morning to see if they've actually started doing what they said they were going to do. Let's stand together.